Thank you for joining us for another leadership podcast by Pastor Jurgen Matesius, lead pastor of C3 Church in San Diego. Well, before we get started on this month's leadership podcast, um, we want to tell everybody out there about our Empower Conference. Yes, sir. Happening June 26th to the 28th. Um, we got those dates right this time, right? We got the dates right. <laughs> I confirmed it. Sorry, last month I gave the wrong date for the uh, Freedom Conference, so if you showed up, I apologize. It's my fault. But uh, yeah, so 26th to the 28th of June is our All Church Empower Conference, and this year... We are actually doing a youth conference as well. Yes. Our very first youth conference, our Empower Youth Conference, same dates. So we want you to register today, register yeah. on our brand new C3 app, and uh, register your team, pastors, get them there. Yeah, so I mean our app is awesome, and you, you can download that at uh, C3 San Diego on the App Store. But um, I'm just really excited, you know, looking at the conference last year was jam-packed. We're yeah. moving it to our larger location, and already... Just with our church growth, you know, we're not going to be able to fit people in if we have the youth in there at the same time. So we already felt last year to invite Pastor James Powerhouse Murray to yep. come back and be one of the speakers at our uh, at our Empower Youth Conference. So that's going to be held during the day up North Conference and then bust in for uh, yep. split night meetings or double night meetings. So it's going to be amazing. So if you're a youth pastor, a youth leader, you, you have a youth group, Register them now. It's going to not just empower your young people to be on fire, but it's also going to equip the, uh, youth leaders and youth pastors. So I, we used to have a saying at our Phenomena Conference in Australia, you send me 100 youth and I'll send you back 100 youth leaders. Great. And it's the same mantra. So you know, every youth pastor I talk to says, man, I just don't have the leaders. I just don't have the leaders. I just don't have the leaders. Well, what we're good at is developing leaders. Yeah. So you send me 100 youth, we'll send you back 100 on fire youth Leaders who are ready to take their schools, ready to take their community, ready to step up and serve and lead and, and make a difference in uh, you know in your area. So get along for that. But then senior pastors, you know, empower conference. Bishop Michael Pitts, yep. uh, powerhouse uh, Christopher Hill from yep. Potter's House in Denver, Colorado. It is going to be outstanding. Our own team, um, you know, just a learn, grow, think tank, equip shops, afternoon sessions golf fellowship round tables it is it is it is just going to be three days two nights of absolute power and equipping so you're not going to be the same again june 26 to 28 do whatever you got to do san diego is a tough place to come in the summer with beautiful (laughs) beaches glorious restaurants sea world the zoo legoland all of that horrible place to have a vacation but uh suffer for jesus there are people in calcutta india Suffering for Jesus, you can suffer in San Diego at an Empower Conference. That's right. You can. So sign up today on our app, on our website. Do it. It'll be great for you. So let's get into this today. And what we wanted to talk about and chat through for this month's Leadership Podcast are our Pathways of Discipleship. And it's, it's something over the last few months that we have clearly identified and clearly put into a structure and how they're flowing. And Because I think some churches know that we're meant to make disciples, but don't know how to. It kind of, they stumble into it, or some people are disciples, some people aren't disciples. So we want to chat through why it's important to make disciples, why it's important to have a structure of discipleship in our churches, in our organizations. 
and then just chat through our structure and our pathways of discipleship and what we've come up with. We've actually come up with four different pathways of how to effectively make disciples, so we'll chat through those ones. But first off, Pastor Jurgen, why is it important to have a pathway of discipleship? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that um, you know most of us haphazardly kind of you know stumble through the Great Commission. Really, if people uh, become disciples, it was it was accidental as opposed to intentional. And uh, when Jesus gave us the Great Commission of go into all the world and make disciples, he was saying, guys, I want you to to actually be intentional. Here's your focus. Here's your objective. This is your mission operative. This is this is what I want you to accomplish. I want you to strategically go into all the world. So target demographics, target people groups. You know that that world word world is the world ethnos. So go into every ethnicity, learn the language, learn the culture, learn the customs, do whatever you need to to infiltrate and penetrate that society, that community with the agenda of discipleship, with the agenda of, of making them followers and servants of Jesus Christ. And so, um, you know, it, it requires more than just preaching the gospel on a Sunday, crossing our fingers, knocking on wood and hoping that people become disciples. We've actually got to be intentional, not accidental. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people these days, uh, you know, praying for revival. And really the the definition of revival is that God would fill their church with with disciples. Mm. But God's not going to. You you can pray and you can shout and spit on the walls and command the north, south, east and west and whatever. But God's not going to do what he's commanded you to do. That's that's our job. And so our job is to make disciples. And so a lot of people, well, you know, I, I, the anointing, I want more anointing. Moses had an anointing that could part the Red Sea. He had an anointing that could bring a river out of a rock. He had an anointing that could change the wind direction and bring quail. He had an anointing that could defeat the 10 gods of Egypt and devastate Pharaoh. He had the, the anointing, enough anointing, to bring close to a million Israelites out of bondage, out of slavery, out of captivity. And yet, when he sits down with his father-in-law, Jethro, Jethro says to him, what you're doing is not good. You need more than anointing. You've actually got to have structure. You need to have captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, captains over fifties, and captains over tens, lest you wear the people out and the people wear you out and nobody wins. And so Moses didn't have an anointing problem. He had a structure problem. And I think that that's probably, you know, indicative of a lot of the church today. We either have churches with great structure and no anointing, or we have churches with great anointing and no structure. And 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 they're not mutually exclusive. It's not like you've got to choose, well, which one do we go? Do we go anointing or do we go structure? You can actually have both. And I believe that the greatest thing you can do with the anointing is put a structure uh, around it or attached to it to enable that anointing to to enable that that thing to flow. It's like you know if there's a fire, there are fire hydrants on the side of the street so that the uh, the fire department are able to plug their hose in and they're able to put a structure around all that power and all mm-hmm. that water to direct it towards extinguishing a flame. They don't just kind of turn the you know open up the uh, the hydrant and just hope that it sprays in the right direction. They actually plug in a, a hose and they, you know, direct it at the flame. So, 
you know, that's the anointing. The anointing is the power of God, but we're called to have a structure, and that structure is called to make disciples. That's great. Now, would you say this, because I know right now there's probably some listeners out there that maybe just planted a church or are very soon going to plant a church and start a church. So would you say, now we're, we're in our, our eighth year here at C3 San Diego, would you say that this structure is something that we would put into place or they should put into place immediately? Is it something that they should wait until their culture is established? Or how soon would you say they should start this structure of discipleship? Yeah, I think um, because the Great Commission isn't, hey, you know, once you guys get seven years in or eight years yeah. in, you know, uh, you know, I think about four years ago, um, Pastor David, when we when I remember we had like 500 in a service, and I, I remember just feeling so chuffed, yeah, and felt felt like you know it was one of my goals, it was a milestone. I remember sitting at the lights, and I can still picture it today. Carmel Creek Road, turning onto the 56 freeway, that the arrow goes green, and I'm thinking, who am I going to call first <laughs> and rejoice with, you know? And I, I didn't think it was you know a carnal or, or evil thing. But I just felt really good. And as clear as anything, I felt the Holy Spirit say, just a crowd. Yeah. Like, what? You're just jealous. And I thought, oh, hang on, you can't be jealous of your people. I'm like, what do you mean, just a crowd? And he said, just a crowd. How many of them are disciples? And I'm like, well, is that important? He's like, of course it's important. That's the Great Commission. And I remember just thinking, shoot, you know, I've spent all these first four years of our church trying to get bums on seats, trying to get people into the building that I actually almost abdicated my responsibility to, to discipleship. So we went kind of on a, uh, on a bit of a journey, read, you know, Wiki Church, Sticky Church, just, you know, read a whole bunch of books on discipleship and on, you know, reprodu- reproduction. And uh, basically we've come up with, you know, four pathways to discipleship. But before I get into that, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to, if we're called to make disciples, you've got to be able to clearly identify and describe what a disciple is. It's like if I said to you, I want you to make a chocolate cake, you've got to understand what chocolate is and you've got to understand what a cake is. If you right. come if you come back with, you know, a hubcap, what's that? Uh, chocolate cake. That's a hubcap. Do you know what chocolate is? Nope. Do you know what a cake is? Nope. Well... So you've got to be able to identify. And so I think that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of us maybe don't even know what a disciple is. And, you know, my definition of a disciple when I was in Bible college was a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so that was kind of what I just thought, oh, well, you know, disciples are disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. But a- as I began to, to really try and look at that, I thought, well, that doesn't really cut the mustard anymore. Yeah. Because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And literally... It means going to all the world who make disciples, and it has an echo attached to it. Go into all the world and make disciples who 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 make disciples. Because Jesus was speaking in the first century, and here we are 20 centuries later, and the discipleship process has gone on because they didn't just go into the in the first world, you know, first century world and make disciplined followers of Jesus Christ, and then they all died out and went to heaven. They actually empowered disciples and gave them the same commission to go and make disciples Mm -hmm. who also received the same commission to go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, am I doing that? You know, and so I just found that we we were building a um, a spectator church where people could come and they could, you know, hear a great sermon, enjoy great worship and then have coffee and donuts and whatever after the service. But was I really building disciples? Was I building people that were intentionally invading the community 
intentionally reaching out into the colleges and the schools, intentionally reproducing themselves and going after God. And I realized, you know, we weren't doing it. So for the last couple of years, you know, I've been going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. What is a disciple? And so, you know, we kind of came up with uh, the definition that a disciple is a, is a person who passionately pursues Jesus Christ and who purposely produces Christ followers. So passionate in their pursuit of Christ and purposely in producing Christ followers. And it's got to be twofold. So they've got to be a follower of Christ, but they are also got to understand the responsibility of reproduction. So that, that was kind of the catalyst. And then, you know, the pathways came out of that. That's great. So we know that we, we need a pathway of discipleship. We know that the sooner your organization or church can start it, the better and healthier your organization can be. We know what a disciple is. We know how to identify them. So with that, we came up with four pathways of how to produce disciples effectively, how to produce disciples that know how to minister, how to produce you know people that, that stick. So um, the, the first pathway, and this is kind of in order of how you want them to, to, to come and how you want to develop them. So the first one that we have is connect. Our first pathway of discipleship is connect. So can you just explain what connect is? We have connect groups, but it's more than just attending a connect group. Yeah. So could you explain to us what that first pathway is? Great. So, you know, what we what we did was we found that okay, um and, and this this you know, this took took me months of reading, of praying, of really trying to get the wisdom from God of identifying or breaking down what it is from somebody who walks into our church who's never met Jesus Christ to finished product where they are on fire for God and you know making disciples themselves so so we came up with four very very clear definitions and uh, you know and for me the the analogy that God used was like say a factory line for a, the assembly of a, a motor vehicle so whether it's Ford or you know Ferrari or Porsche, whatever whatever your fancy is, but they have you know sheet metal that goes in one end and then you know a car that drives out the other. So at some point the chassis goes in, the engine goes in, the, the frame is welded in, all the components, the internal, the diagnostics, the electronics, the air conditioning, the fabric, the seats, you know, the, all of those things go in. At certain points, you know, they don't just assemble themselves. Quite often in churches, you know, we hope that people assemble themselves, but they don't. We have to bring the assembly and then we have to bring bring uh, very, very clear demarcation. So we found that the first one was connect and it's connect in three levels. It's number one, connect to God. You know, it, it's our connection to God that gets us into heaven, not our connection to a knowledge of God that gets us into heaven. A lot of people say, well, I believe in God. But that's not enough because the devil believes in God. And he ain't going to heaven. Yeah. So it's a connection to God. It's a direct line. Jesus died on the cross. We could have a direct line to God, a direct connection with God. So then what we found was um, it's connection to each other. And that, that kind of is taken up with the connect groups. And the reason that, that that is important is because the first thing that God said wasn't good was for man to do life on his own. So we actually need community. Every serial killer that we see... Uh, you know, every, yeah. every guy that goes on a shooting rampage or whatever, when they interview the neighbors, they're like, yeah, yeah. quiet guy, kept mainly to himself. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's a bit of a loner. And so, you know, all the time, it's like, you're not meant to do life on your own. You're meant to do life in community. And, uh, and I think especially with the, uh, you know, the eHarmony 
uh, people sit behind a you know yeah. uh, you know an alter ego personality on yeah. a computer screen and never get up from there. It's really unhealthy. People have lost a lot of social skills, and you need to be around other people. You need to sharpen your social skills because we're called to go into all the world and make disciples. So you've got to have people skills, and at the same time, you've got to have uh, people that can speak into your life and you know tell you you've got a booger hanging out of your nose or your breath smells or yep. hey, have you ever thought about your personal hygiene? Yep. Deodorant, you know, <laughs> would, would do well because a lot of people are. Like, I can't figure out why I can't get no date. And uh, I can, you don't brush your teeth. You've got gingivitis and <laughs> they're falling right. out. Your gums are bleeding. And, uh, you know, and so, so just that people need community. People need each other. And so we found connection with God, connection with each other. But then the third one that we really identified that we could not get away from is connection to a church. And yeah. we live in America where it's a convenience mentality. And yeah. so I love Starbucks, but, you know, I'm not really that committed to one particular location. And so a lot of people bring that mentality to church. Yeah, but wow. the Bible says, you know, uh, blessed are those who are planted, Psalm 92, in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. And so you've actually got to find a place where you connect, where you plant yourself. There's another old statement that if you're rootless, you're fruitless. Mm. And you've wow. got to find a place where you put your roots wow. down in a church so you can produce fruit. So we found it was connection to God connection to each other and then connection to to a church a commitment to a church so that that was the that was the first one and it's and it's just so important we need all three of those areas yeah that's so good if you're rootless you're fruitless that's yeah that's great so uh our second one now all those who are listening out there these are the terms that we have discovered and implemented here at c3 san diego so you, you'll want to you know, identify in your own church and or own organization what are your pathways. Um, not, you know, taking these because this is our culture, this is our people, this is who, who we have identified and what's working for us. You want to find out what works for you as well. Yeah, so think, think it through. I mean, most people yeah. think, hey, somebody thought for me, right. I'll just borrow it. But if you just borrow it and they're not yours, then you're not going to be able to problem solve yeah. because because all you'll do is you'll just go back online and can someone solve my problem for right. me? That's you know, right. engage your brain and, and think it through. What you know, And there are a number of churches. You know, uh, Chris Hodges in uh, Alabama has, has you know, pathways that are very, very similar in the focus but completely different names. Mm. Andy Stanley in Atlanta has three clearly identifiable pathways. And he uses kind of an analogy of the lounge room, the living room, the, and the kitchen. Mm. And uh, talking about, you know, that's the process of, of church. And so, you know, uh, there are a lot of places that have these pathways, clearly identifiable, but different terms. So. Great, great. So that brings us to our next one, um, is our, our second pathway is grow. Second pathway is grow. And there's, there's a few things in that, and a few different courses and things that we offer, but... It's more than just that. So if can you touch on, on what our GROW pathway is? Well, the GROW pathway came out of, you know, Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. And, and then he goes on and says, you know, teaching them to observe. Um, and so really out of the teaching them to observe. So he didn't just say, hey, go and preach the gospel. And if people respond, it's the sovereign Calvinist will of God. If they don't respond, it's because God had already predestined them to burn in hell before eternity began. That's, that's, you won't find that there. Jesus actually said, go into all the world, 
make disciples, teaching them to observe. So uh, un- until they're observing, we're not teaching effectively. So <clears throat> for me, I, I identify that as grow. So we want, we want people to, to grow in their faith, to grow in their maturity. The Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I behaved like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we kind of have a statement that, you know, I graduated high school when I was 17 years of age, but I only graduated academically. The truth is I was still, you know, an immature teenager, probably until I was about 28, 29 years of age, you know, marriage kind of stamped a lot of that junk out of me. So a lot of people graduate high school academically, Mm -hmm. but they still behave, they still have the school, they're still the schoolyard bully, they're still gossiping, they're still fighting and carrying on and backbiting and, you know, isolating and jealous and, and, you know, throwing tantrums and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so we found that, you know, people need to grow up and grow up in their faith. And so what we have in our church that we've identified over almost since the beginning is we've had to teach our culture. So we have a DNA culture course. We've had to teach evangelism because, you know, people don't know why they should evangelize, why they should reach the lost. Then we have, you know, DNA gifts of the spirit because we want our church to be a spirit-filled church. We want people to, to understand that when, you know, the book of Acts was written, that it was the only book in the New Testament without an amen because it's not finished yet. The, the Holy Spirit is still working in the earth through disciples, through his servants who can move in the gifts, power, signs, and wonders of the Holy Spirit. And that they are called to operate in signs, wonders, and miracles. They don't have to be an ordained minister to, to move in the power of God. You can be an accountant, you can be a housewife, you can be a barista at Starbucks, and you can operate in words and knowledge and the prophetic and the supernatural and see people getting saved and healed and delivered and set free. So, so we have a, you know, DNA gifts of the Spirit. But more than all of that is we want people to be on a growth track. We want people to see that you know, holiness doesn't just happen automatically, that there are things in your life you need to uproot, that you need to weed out, and there are things in your life you need to plant. You know, uh, to, to quote the, the great prophet Joe Dirte, <laughs> life's a garden, dig it, That's right. and uh, powerful prophet. And, um, but it's, it's so true, life is a garden, and your life is a garden. If you don't like your life, just, just do some weeding. Rip out what you don't like, Great. but make sure you're planting things. So your life is the sum total of everything that you've sowed yesterday. And so if you don't like what, you, what, what your life's doing today, sow a different seed. Sow something else. And so the Bible says, he who sows iniquity will reap trouble or reap sorrow. You know, he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will reap life. And so begin to sow things from the Spirit of God. Begin to sow the Word of God. Begin to sow yourself in to you know getting into church and sitting there and sitting in you know teaching and instruction and the Word of God and you know discipleship and all that kind of stuff. And you'll find just your life will begin to flourish. And so that's why we want people to grow. We want people to grow in their faith, mature in their faith. Stop behaving like a baby and start living with vision. Start living with principles. Start you know instead of living just kind of pragmatically and you know letting their emotions dictate, they live by principle. They live by the word of God. They develop in their faith. They grow in their faith. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everything that I've got in my life, I've got through faith. Everything I've got through faith in God. Um, buildings, money, finance, cars, houses. There's not a thing that I have that I haven't gotten through faith. Mm-hmm. 
And that faith came because I sat and began to devour the Word of God. And if you become a student of the Word of God, it'll produce powerful things in your life. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. Um, and so we, we at C3 San Diego, we have classes and courses where, where we will teach you and equip you, but we want you as well to equip yourselves and teach your people to equip themselves as well. Because if you... Uh, yeah, because in that will just create a maturity level in, in the people. So that brings us to our next one. Our third uh, pathway is serve. Yes. Our third pathway is serve. And that's more than just getting on a volunteer team and serving. Cause, so could you elaborate on what that pathway is for us here? Well, I think it's, you know, it's really interesting. We many years ago had a, had a couple that joined our church. And, uh, but they said that they weren't going to serve because they didn't have a gift of serving. <laughs> and uh, that serving in the church was only for those who had a gift of serving. Wow. Wow. So let me, just, let me just explain something to make it real. It. Everybody's called to serve. Yeah. If, you know, Jesus, who could, could have an excuse, listen, for all eternity, uh, I've been served. This serving thing is kind of foreign to me. You know, I sit on a, on a, on a throne over, over, you know, a river that's like glass, and I'm not... No, Jesus said, I've not come to be served, but to serve. Yeah. Uh, Jesus wasn't a paid employee. He was a volunteer. Like God didn't yeah. say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you $1 trillion right. if you hang on the cross. He didn't say, like the, J- Jesus was a volunteer. He volunteered to save mankind. He volunteered to go to the cross. He volunteered to die and suffer and give his life, give his back to those who beat him, give his face to those who plucked out his beard to redeem us with his life, not because the Father was paying him, not because he was on a payroll, but because he was a servant. And uh, um, the most powerful people on the planet are servants. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 110 verse 3, uh, your your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. And uh, and I believe that this is the day of God's power, or literally the day of God's power is ushered in by a spirit of volunteering, a spirit of serving. And uh, we've got to raise up people that understand that that the way to maturity in Christ is through serving. If Jesus said, I've not come to be served, but to serve and lay my life down as a ransom for many. When he went to wash the disciples' feet, Peter rebukes him, says, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Dude, slaves wash people's feet. People buy slaves to wash the scum and the grime and the mud and the filth of people's feet. This is beneath you. What are you doing? And Jesus is like, Peter, what I'm doing, you don't understand. You'll understand later. And literally the principle was this. Like if Jesus couldn't wash the filth and the scum and the grime from our filthy feet, how's he going to make the decision in the Garden of Gethsemane to be nailed to a cross and wash the filth, Mm -hmm. the grime and the stains away from our soul? on the cross with his own blood. And so serving is, it's not, it's not optional. It's mandatory. Yeah. Every Christian is called to serve. In fact, your maturity is determined by the level of wow. serving. The reason wow. Jesus is exalted to the right hand of the Father is because nobody served like Jesus did. I love, I love that, uh, you know, Joshua and Caleb, two powerful people, but Caleb was the spokesman. Caleb was the preacher. Caleb was the guy with the prophecy. Caleb was the guy that God said to, to Moses, of all the people, 
that are going to enter the promised land, none of them except my servant Caleb. He has a different spirit. And yet Joshua becomes a successor of Moses, not Caleb. Caleb was gifted. He was anointed. He was a territory taker. He was a visionary. He was a preacher. But yet it was Joshua. What was the difference? Well, the Bible describes Joshua as the servant of Moses. Joshua, the servant of Moses. It talks about Moses being the servant of God, the servant of the Most High God. And then it says this. It says that Moses was faithful in all of God's house. And God said to the people, why, why were you not afraid? to speak to my servant Moses. Mm. When I speak to a prophet, do I not speak to him in a riddle, in a dream? But not so my servant Moses. I speak to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And the devil wants us to to become so selfish that we don't serve. Mm. But in not serving, we miss out on an intimacy with God. We miss out on the promotion of God and we miss out on the maturity of God. So serving is a prerequisite to development in the kingdom. Wow, it's really good. And that, that leads into our last pathway, which is lead. And we, we've made it really simple for how do we identify when someone is ready to be a leader in our church or organization. And we know that by are they connected? Have they gone through the grow pathway? Have they gone through the serve pathway? So as people are taken through these pathways and go through these pathways, we identify them and they really stand out as they're ready to be a leader. They're ready to lead. They're ready to be a leader. And um, so if maybe we could just chat through that pathway and as well, um, not just developing them to be a leader in ministry, but we develop them to be a leader in the marketplace as well. Because we've identified that 95% of the people that we develop will be leaders in the marketplace. So how do we do that and and what, what does that pathway look like for us? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing about leadership, and there's been lots of definitions over the years, but the best one that I heard is from John Maxwell that, you know, leadership is is influence. Uh, Nothing more, nothing less. And if, you know, if you think you're a leader and you look behind no one's following, then you're not leading, you're just taking a walk. And uh, they used to be my favorite, you know, but over the years I found that leadership really is example, especially in a very, very cynical Mm -hmm. Um, generation and generation that is obsessed with reality TV mm. because people don't want fictional leadership. People want reality leadership. People want authenticity. There's just a hunger and a craving for mm. authenticity and, and something that's real, something that's tangible. And so leadership's example. So to become a leader, you've actually got to go through those three others. You've got yeah. to be, be connected. You've got to be on a growth pattern, committed to growth, and you've got to be serving. Mm. From there, you know, that then leads into leadership. And this one was the most difficult one for me to arrive at because I knew I wanted to produce leaders, but I thought, is that different to discipleship? Mm. And I really felt God say, no, no, because what a a disciple is, is a leader because there's somebody who leads other people through that pathway. Because if we're called to make disciples Mm. who make disciples, then it's got to be a closed system. It's got to be a, you know, a perpetuating, a self-perpetuating structure. And so we've got to have people who lead people into connection with God, mm-hmm. lead them into a pattern of growth and then serving, and then they become leaders themselves who lead people into connection with God through growing, right. through serving. And so it's, it's got to feed itself. Mm-hmm. So what we found is that leadership is example. And so... 95% of the leaders that we develop, and this is just a, you know, it's made up statistic in my head, mm. but it's, you know, it's kind of 
um, making a statement mm-hmm. that most people need to be leaders in the marketplace. Yeah. You know, five percent, probably less, will become employees in in our yeah. church. Yeah. Um, but we want to empower people to go into their marketplace, into their workplace, right. into their schools, into their colleges, into their coffee shops, into their restaurants, mm-hmm. into their field, into their industry, into politics, into government. God, we need more Christian you know, leaders in politics and government and in yeah. law and legislation and you know, judges. You know, we've got uh, you know, unrighteous judges overturning constitutional laws so that wickedness flourishes, we, we need to turn all that around. So the only way that can happen is we've got to develop leaders. Yeah. And, uh, and to me, a leader is, if I can look back and I see that they're connected, because connection equals accountability. Yeah. They're growing. Um, you know, the average CEO reads about 35 books a year. Wow. So there's a reason that they're paid big bonuses, wow. and there's a reason they're paid big salaries, because they, they, they have a hunger for learning and uh, they haven't arrived and so readers are leaders and leaders are readers that you know growing and then serving Uh, at the end of the day I choose the restaurants I go to I choose the airlines I fly and I choose the hotels I stay in by not the name not the brand not even the perks but their ability to serve the airline I choose is the one that has the best customer service the hotels I stay in the best customer service in fact, I grade everything on customer service. So the ability to serve equips people to lead. Your leadership and your serving are directly correlated. And so, so that's kind of, you know, I think we've, we've kind of run out of time, but, um, you know, maybe we can talk about, you know, leadership another time. But for us, they're, they're the full pathways of producing disciples. Yeah. Yeah, which is really good. So before we come to a close, is there anything else that you'd like to add for this podcast? Uh, what would I like to add to this podcast? I would just say that um, uh, you know, download the C three San Diego app. It's a bit of a shameless plug, but um, yep. a lot of the uh, a lot of the messages that, yeah. that have been right. preached by yeah. yourself and our pastors and leaders uh, in our church, as well as our guest speakers, are free yeah. to you know to listen to on the app and C three San Diego app. It's awesome. Download it, get it. Um, you know, go online and. Uh, you know, make uh, just avail yourself of resources. Get to the Empower Conference. Yes, you know, right. be intentional this year that you're not going to be the same. Yep. You know, hoping that Great. just you know, crossing your fingers that you're not going to be the same by the end of the year is not going to do it. Actually, be intentional. Sign up for conferences. You know, download. Things like apps that have got you know great messages and podcasts on there and leadership podcasts and all that kind of stuff and listen to it. Be a self feeder. Be someone who's on a on a growth curve so that you can become all that God has called you to be. You know, I know that uh, for me, I look at my life and I was very, very thankful that Jesus saved me. But I thought, wow, you know, God gave his best for someone that was pretty dysfunctional, pretty busted up. And I thought I could give that back to God or I could actually give God a much better me than he found 28 years ago on a beach. So for 28 years, I've been purposely, uh, you know, Carving out a, a prayer life, cutting out, a, carving out a word life, reading books, studying, because I wanna, I wanna be the very, very best I can be. If there are CEOs who read and attend seminars and courses and college degrees and everything else to get more money, you know, to get a higher salary or a bigger pay packet, how much more should I have the same motivation to to develop myself? But rather than a pay packet, 
do it for the glory of God. Do it for the, you know, to, to bring more people to Christ, to be more fruitful, more effective. We get one shot at this life, and I want to bring as many people out of hell into heaven as possible. And so I want to give God the very, very best me. So commit yourself to growing, commit yourself to learning, commit yourself to serving, commit yourself to connecting, and you'll become a great leader. Very, very good. So you heard it. Sign up. Youth leaders, youth pastors, leaders, senior pastors, sign up for Empower Conference June 26th through the 28th. Thank you so much for listening to our February edition of C3 San Diego's Leadership Podcast. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's message. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com.